morning everyday people um, and just a massive thank you to all those who contributed to making this morning special the messages the prayer request the prayer from josh and rage text thank you so much for encouraging us as parents um, this morning we're going to continue in our journey through ruth we're in chapter three this morning but i thought it might just be worth your while if you're new to our journey just to recap on chapter one and two so that we we get where we're going in the story in chapter three makes sense to us so in chapter one we have a guy called elimelech a jew that in a drought and famine in his country moves his family from from israel into moab a country where it's not god's country god is not king there because of better or greener pastures and the story is meant to be that Elimelech would take his family Naomi and his two sons across for a few years and come and return home. They end up staying for 10 years or longer. And the end of the story, Elimelech passes away within a few years. And later, his two sons marry two pagan girls, Ruth and Orpah. Um, they eventually, their two sons pass away. And the story in chapter 1 ends with Naomi left the two orphan, orphan widows in Ruth and Orpah. Orpah decides to go back to her family and her culture in Moab, but Ruth decides to adopt Naomi and stay with Naomi and also come to faith and starts a faith journey and believing in, in Jesus or believing in Naomi's God, this faithful God that she speaks of in chapter one. That's chapter one. In chapter two, I love chapter two. I think it's the most beautiful chapter where the, the writers drop in the line, it just so happens, it just so happens numerous times. Then here we start seeing the, the unseen hand of God starting to work redemption in Ruth and in Naomi's life and to take this absolutely shattered broken widow and, a, and two widows in Naomi and Ruth and God slowly starting to bring life and restoration to their, to their situations. And so that it so happens, it just so happens that, the, that Naomi and Ruth return in a season where it's gleaning time, where, where the harvest is plentiful and there's gleaning in the barley fields. It just so happens that Boaz is the field that they go to and they start gleaning from the field by, by a man that we're going to hear a lot about later called Boaz. And then it just so happens that Boaz takes notice of Ruth gleaning in his field and it then just so happens that Boaz is somehow related to Naomi. The, just the coincidence of God, the, the things that we're going to see later, this beautiful, again, the encouragement in this time that God is working behind the scenes even though we don't get to see exactly what he's doing right now. But the exciting chapter 2 does, does end with a bit of a downer. It ends with a statement where it says, Ruth lived with her mother-in-law. Now, I'm not sure how your mother-in-law relationships are, but I'm sure there's better ways to end a chapter than you end up living with your mother-in-law. It doesn't end up with a marriage. It doesn't end up well or in an exciting way. And we're picking up the story um, today of God's story of providence, and we're going to read together. This is a beautiful story of romance that we're going to investigate together. It is a tricky passage. Parents, you're going to have to, you're going to have some talking to do with your kids maybe after this one, but I'll leave that one to you. So let's turn to Ruth chapter 3 together, and I'm going to slowly read and just make a few comments, and then we're going to end with looking at Jesus as our ultimate redeemer, as the ultimate kinsman redeemer um, for us in our lives, and that should give us hope and peace this morning. So let's read together. Ruth chapter 1, chapter 3, verses 1. Naomi does her bit to encourage Ruth. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well for you? That's Hebrew, kind of of Naomi saying, Ruth, you need a husband. I'm going to help you find a husband. And we look at this mother-in-law start scheming a plan. What can I do to get this daughter-in-law of my Ruth a husband? And remember in those days, it's not like today where women are independent, where they have their own jobs and they have their own careers. In those days, 
women were very vulnerable, they were exploited, and without a husband was extremely vulnerable. And so in those days, to have a husband meant that you had protection, you had provision, you had someone that would look out for you, etc. So in those days, it is very different to today. But Naomi reckons, Ruth, you need a husband, I'm going to do my bit in organizing your husband. So let's go to verse 2. Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young woman you were? See, he is winnowing. Winnowing meant they, they would toss the, the, the barley into the air. All the, the chaff and all the rubbish would blow away, and only the good seed would fall to the ground. Winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. In other words, put perfumes and make yourself pretty. And put on a cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe a place where he lies. In other words, she's saying, just make sure, Ruth, that you're going to the right guy. Make sure you know where, where Boaz is going to lay down and sleep. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. Verse 5, and she replied, all that you say, I will do. Ruth is agreeing to this plan. As strange as it seems to us, there's nothing dodgy going on here. I know it sounds dodgy, and that's why you, some of you have got your, your hands on your kids' ears right now. But there's a lot of blushing going on in this story. And if you read this for the first time, you're going, whoa, this is in the Bible. Can you, can you believe this? But Ruth put herself out there. She literally risked everything. She made herself pretty, uh, put perfume on, hid away, and put herself out there. Sending the year, like when we hear these stories, we say, what's going to happen? This is extremely risky in those days for a woman to be amongst men working and then taking the chance and the risk of going to Boaz in the middle of the night. Once he's had a meal um, and he's drunk a bit. Let's pick up the story in verse 6. It's getting very exciting. So she went down in the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, it doesn't say he was drunk, just that he drank. And his heart was merry, he went to lay down at the end of the heap grain. Now imagine, here's Ruth hiding in the shadows, hiding, watching a man, waiting until he's done his meal, waiting until he's had his drink, now he's tucking himself into bed after a hard day's work, waiting until he's falling asleep. I don't know if you like that, there's the, there's the imagery, imagery here is when you're tucking your babies, we had kids and some of them slept well, some of them didn't sleep well, and we take them to the room and then you're tucking the baby in and you're waiting for the baby to sleep and you take the first step away from the cot and, and the baby crunches and oh, oh, I'm not awake, I'm still awake, I still see you mom, and that kind of thing. And you get this picture that, that Ruth is hiding in the shadows, waiting to make sure, is he, is he snoring, is he sleeping, has he fallen asleep yet? Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Nothing happens here. This is not a sexual act. This is, not a, this is nothing weird. This is just her laying down, making sure that he knows that she's there. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman was at his feet. He said, who are you? Now, I'm not sure what kind of who are you it could be. Is it the who are you who is attacking me? In the, in, the, in the sense of a fright? Is it the, who are you, lying at my feet? Um, we're not sure what who are, but it says startled, so let's just say he woke up with a bit of a fright. Let's give Boaz the benefit of the doubt here. And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. In other words, her, her, her attitude towards is, I'm here to serve you. Spread your wing over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So this is Ruth's words to him. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth is saying, hey, Boaz, I want you to pursue me. 
in marriage. Not just pursue me, but marry me, protect me, put your wings over me. And this is a beautiful, beautiful language that the Old Testament often uses of, of Christ and of God as our Redeemer that places His wings beautifully over us. In Ruth 2 verse 12, the Lord, um, the Lord repay you. It says this, the Lord repay you um, for what you have done and full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge in Ruth 2. This idea of, of, of Boaz, he's saying, Boaz, pursue me, marry me and protect me, put your wings over me. You can see how that is relevant for us as a nation and as a world right now. This, the prayer of God, would you put your wings around us and protect us. Verse 10, this is beautiful. This is Boaz showing who he is. And he said, this is Boaz speaking back to Ruth. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Can you sense the relief? He's not going to take advantage of her. He's going to protect her. This is the first glimpse of what kind of man is Boaz. And his first thing is to bless her and to protect her. You have made, the, you have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. In other words, Boaz is an older man, he's a, he's a field owner, and he has this young, we presume, beautiful Ruth that's smelling beautifully, made herself pretty, and instead of Ruth going for one of the young guns in the field, she goes for Boaz, the, the man with character. And he sees that and he, he almost appreciates that she, she still sees him for who he is and what he is. Verse 11, And now my daughter, do not fear, he's protecting her. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. In other words, he's saying, I know your reputation. I know your faithfulness. I know who you are. And it's, it reminds us of Proverbs, where Proverbs 31.10 talks about um, an excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. And Boaz is using the same language to describe Ruth here. You are far more precious than any jewel. Things are working out beautifully right now for Ruth, isn't it? We can see the, the story coming to her head. And now it is true in verse 12. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there, there is a redeemer nearer you. And so what would happen here is in Naomi's family, um, if the, her sons would pass away and left widows behind... The closest male family member would be obliged to take the, the, the wife, the widow, into their care and their the covering. So not to leave them vulnerable to, to the world and to society. And Boaz is recognizing that I am in line, I'm part of the family, but there's someone that's first in line or closer in line to you. But we're going to see the remaining story. Remain tonight, versus Boaz in verse 13. Remain tonight and in the morning I will, I will redeem you. Good. Let him do it. Wow, what a man of integrity. Saying, you stay here, I'll protect you. And in the morning, I'm going to fulfill this promise to you. Remember this time in, in this society, Israel is are led and are governed by judges. And there's a scripture that says, and they did as they pleased. So this is a time of high, high sexual promiscuity. This is a, a time where they've ignored the law of God and the, and the, and the rules of God and how to, how to protect and how to treat women. And this is the time, in this time, we have a Boaz that says, you stay here tonight. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to protect you. Can you imagine today? I can't think, and I have been thinking through some rom-coms that we've been watching. And now that Chloe and, and Claire and, and we together, we watch these. And it is incredibly rare in any rom-com where the couple fall in love and don't go straight to bed or have sex. 
And so we're living in a society where, where we don't have enough Boazes, where men go, hey lady, while we're dating, while we're courting, I'm going to protect you. You are safe amongst me. One day I'm going to put a ring on your finger. One day I am going to, I am going to protect you. So this is also relevant to our situation and where we live today. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So Boaz is saying, if the first in line, kinsman redeemer, is not willing to accept you, a, Moab, a Moabite lady, widow, into, into his family, I will redeem you. I will take you as my wife. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. Verse 14, so she lay at his feet until the morning and rose before, before, one, could, before one could recognize anyone. So she's quietly in protecting her dignity, slipping out so no one sees her. And he said, let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, she held it and he measured out six measures of barley to put it in. Then she went into the city. Six measures, they reckon it's about 30 kgs of barley that he gave her to carry. These girls were tough. They weren't poppies. They were tough girls to carry 30 kgs back. And the beautiful picture is, you remember Naomi and Ruth entered Bethlehem, completely emptied out. No husband, no husbands, no sons, no, no brother-in-laws, nothing. They left and they came from Moab into Bethlehem with nothing. Ruth goes to Boaz and she puts herself out there and she leaves and he's deliberately making sure that she returns to Naomi, not empty, but with something for them to feed on. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of God's provision in this time and for us. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did the Naomi's asking, can you imagine Naomi's waiting to find out how did last night go? What happened? How did you fare? My daughter. Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me. And he said to me, you must not go back empty, empty-handed to your mother-in-law. This beautiful story of restoration when Ruth returns to Naomi, full of barley, full of provision for her. When we feel empty, God is there to fill us. When we have nothing, God in his, and behind the scenes, without us even seeing and acknowledging it sometimes, God is on the move. Verse 18, and she replied, wait my daughter. Until you learn how the matter turns out. For a man will not rest until, but will settle this matter today. There was this confidence in Boaz. He will sort this out. You have done well. He will redeem you. And that's where the passage ends. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to point us to Jesus as our ultimate redeemer. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful life story. And we, we can see so much of you in this story. We can see so much of ourselves, our emptiness our need for you, um, the fact that we don't always see your hand move in our lives, and yet you are moving towards redeeming us and, and fulfilling our lives. And so as we tuck into the next passage and the, the next section where we look at you, Jesus, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that we would, we would remember you in this, in Jesus' name. As men and husbands, we would do well to look at Boaz as an incredible example of integrity and of provision and of, of generosity towards Ruth. But we're not going to preach about that. I'm not going to make the focus on courtship. In any other season in our church life, this would have been a marriage preach. This would be a courtship preach. This would be a guy and a girl falling in love. And the best Boaz and the best husband and the best guy you can be. But we're not. We're going to look and place ourselves in Ruth's position. Finding ourselves at a place in this world where we're empty, where we're fearful, where we feel vulnerable. 
And we're going to look at Boaz. We're going to look at Jesus as the better Boaz. We're going to look at Jesus as the ultimate husband over us. The ultimate one that puts his wings over us. So where do we see the love of God in this story? Let's look at this. We can look at the kindness of God. Now the kindness of God is no greater than the gospel. The gospel is the most powerful picture of God's kindness and love towards you and towards I. And if you look at the, the word haset that's used for kindness here, it means love, loyalty, faithfulness, gentleness, all this, more like loving kindness of God. And in Ruth, the word haset is used three times, in 3.10, in 2.20, in 1.8, all over, there's these sprinklings of God's kindness, God's kindness, God's kindness over us. And boy, do we need a year about God's kindness right now. 20, this is, the, this is our first few days in lockdown. We don't know what the end looks like. We, we know that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of panic. There's a lot of concerns. But we need the kindness and remember to, to, to know who, the, who Jesus is and who he is to us. Then it's expressed towards God's people and God's people towards us. So as God re reveals His kindness to us, we get to reveal kindness towards others. And as we go through this list, some of you are going to think, hey, I've heard some of these things at a wedding. Or this sounds a very, very much like 1 Corinthians 13, the ultimate chapter of love. And I know many of you have read that chapter of love and you've put your name in there saying, hey, honor, is honor patient? Is honor long-suffering? Is honor kind? Etc. And it's a good exercise to do. Maybe you want to do that when, when we're done here today. But Jesus is all, is all of these things. Let's look at the first thing. Love is patient. Day after day, week after week, waiting at night. Nothing is happening fast in this story. It's taken years, days, weeks, months. But love is patient. This consistent, patient love of God towards Naomi and towards Ruth. Both of them waiting. Maybe you're waiting and I'm waiting. But we, can, we know that God is patient with us. But Boaz shows patience too. He doesn't... As soon as Ruth comes to, the, to, to his feet, take advantage of her. Now he knows that it's worth waiting for. He knows that he's not first in line, but it's worth waiting for and doing it right. And so patience is a virtue. Virtue is a kindness. Eh? And so the love of God is patient with you and I. The love of God has time. We can take our time with God and trust Him. And patience is a reflection of trust. When we're patient, we trust God that He's going to do things, that He will work things. And we need to learn how to be patient during these times. Love, it's a love that protects us. Naomi wanting to find Ruth her husband is not because women can't do it on their own. No, because she wants to protect Ruth. Protect Ruth. Ruth is looking for someone to protect her. Boaz protects Ruth. We're vulnerable without Jesus. We, we are vulnerable without Christ in our lives. We see through Israel's history, time after time, how God protects Israel. Huh? That He uses the language of a hen with her, her wings around her. The blood of the lamb in Egypt where, where, uh, where the Jews were facing um, the angel of death. The blood of the lamb protected and hovered over them. The Lord protecting His people. So love protects. Love is pure. This is the story of a beautiful, beautiful beautiful love story but it's also a story in the midst of sexual immorality where there is no obeying of God or any value towards one another and in the midst of it we see a Boaz with incredible integrity with with incredible purity towards a pagan girl a, a Moabite woman who, who he could have taken advantage of and no one would have blinked he was the wealthy man an owner that could have done what he wanted but he chose purity and the love of God is pure towards you and I much like the age that we're living in, we need a love that is pure, that is not for ourselves, but for others, towards others, a generous love. Jesus is our reminder. We look at Jesus' life, sinless, going to the cross without one blemish, without any sin. Jesus on the, on the mountain being tempted by Satan, 
and three times turning away, not being giving in. A Jesus that is pure. The Jesus that loves you is a pure, pure love and is a pure Savior. A love that provides for us. Love is generous. It meets the needs of others. Jesus did that for, for, for you and I. I think of Jesus and the disciples feeding the, 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 the thousands, um, healing the sick, um, giving, giving grace, giving forgiveness to those. Jesus exuded provision, exuded generosity towards others. And that love is towards you and I. That Jesus right now is not holding back on you. He is generous towards you. He provides all our needs, just as Boaz did for, for Ruth. The beautiful idea that we don't leave God empty-handed. Not just with Him, but He comes with provision for our lives. And lastly, a love that pays the price. We look at the risks in these chapters. The risk that Naomi took in sending Ruth, her only family member, to Boaz. The risk that Ruth took to, to enter a place that wasn't safe for a young girl to be amongst. But trusting that she's doing the right thing. And Jesus didn't only take a risk, but Jesus actually paid the full price for our sins. So we have a love that does not hold back. A love that will lay his life down on the cross for you and I, our kinsman redeemer. This is a beautiful picture of the ultimate redeemer in Jesus. And you can see that through this chapter. This is true. The final redeemer, willingly, Jesus, willingly did everything necessary for the redemption of his bride, the church, you and I. For the joy, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy was set before him, Christ, endured the cross, despised, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God, Jesus, endured this for you and I. He paid the price for you and I, for our redemption. And then Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 7, says this, In him, God, in his covenant love and mercy, provided redemption for all our sins, paid for everything, settled every sin, every account, every debt we had, so that in the coming ages he might show the imperishable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We are so right to put our trust in such a covenant, kindness and generosity and such a redeemer. And I want to encourage you this morning, put your trust and your faith in this kind, generous redeemer, Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you, that you love us. Thank you that that you provide for us, that you protect us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are generous towards us. Thank you that your love towards us is pure. And this morning, we are the recipients of your incredible grace. And we pray this for our families, for our friends, that we would receive this grace, that we would place our faith in this kind, generous Redeemer Jesus. We do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.